Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. I think story is one of the most powerful underutilized resources that's available to each and every single one of us. Having the ability to share it, how you share it, I think those are more of the concrete, fundamental, or how-to route, so to speak. I think there is a practice, I think there are techniques that one can better understand for how to share their story and which elements of their story to share. But I would say that the one thing that differentiates one person from the other is your experience and how it is that you choose to share it with the rest of the world. Welcome back. I hope you've had an awesome week so far. If you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Veronica Shannon of Retub and play and game consultant Elia Sandovar, then do go listen in. They're really worthwhile but only after you've listened to today's conversation. I'm really excited today to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Oleg Loheed. He's the founder of Overcoming Odds. His start in life was inauspicious. He has a, a really unique and, and moving story in many ways. At nine years old, he relinquished his parents' rights and entered a Russian orphanage at his own choosing. At 12 years old, he decided to be adopted into a new family in a new country in the USA, halfway across the world, to start a new life. And at 24 years old, he began his journey of helping others live the life that they've always dreamed of, despite the hardships and misfortunes that they might have experienced up to that time, by allowing them to recognize the uniqueness and worth within their own story. In our discussion, Oleg talked to me about the power of recognizing and acknowledging problems as a first step to solving them. He explained the courage to ask for help, how important that is, and that people need people and people help people. And he talked to me about leading from within. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Oleg Loheed. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast all the way from Austin, Texas in the USA, Oleg Loheed, who is the founder and director of Overcoming Odds, which provides a safe space for developing your individual voice and sharing your story with the world. Oleg also hosts the podcast called the, the Overcoming Odds podcast. 
Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Oleg. It's a real privilege to have you here as my guest. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for creating this space. And also thank you to Scott Mason for introducing the two of us. Yep. I was going to mention Scott. He was on episode 381 of the InnovaBuzz podcast, and he did introduce the two of us and suggested that we have a conversation. So thanks, Scott. Absolutely. He, he's an incredible human being and someone that I look up to in many areas. And whenever he makes introductions like this, I always look forward to them because you just, you never know what can happen out of any single interaction interaction. And I think having the ability to connect with you and learn more about your own journey and mission in life, it's, if anything, it's an inspiration to me to continue doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott, Scott is an inspiring individual and he's got a fascinating story. So listening on episode 381 after you've listened to this one, of course, uh, to <laughs> check Scott's story and, um, you know, we'll be updating that. So you've, you've got a fascinating story of overcoming odds, which I guess is, is what inspired the name of what you do. So what is it that drives you and how did that, how does that shape what you do today? I think for me, what drives me is understanding that there's no obstacle too great to overcome. How I chose to believe that and how I came across that particular conclusion or realization, so to speak, was when I started to look at my own journey and my own set of circumstances and to give your listeners a little bit of a context as far as what I was born into and the different odds, so to speak, that I had to overcome within my life. I was born in a relatively small town in Russia called Chibarkul, which is in the direction of Kazakhstan for those that are familiar with that part of the world. And I was born to a very difficult set of circumstances. And what I mean by difficult was that I was born under a roof where my mom was an alcoholic, my father was in prison, and my sister, who was 18 years older, actually ended up becoming my legal guardian in the upcoming years. And what I've learned through those circumstances was that as challenging as it was in the moment to be able to survive, because that's what life truly was. It was about finding an opportunity to survive, to get to the next day. There was no such thing as dreaming of the future over many years down the road. It was all about how can I use the resources at hand to help me get to the next phase, to the next chapter. And fortunately enough, I was able to get to that next chapter. And that next chapter came when I was nine years old. And that is I was given the opportunity to enter a Russian orphanage. Now, little did I know that part of that journey is going to include me giving up my parents' rights and becoming the ward of the state. But what I started to realize was that one of the only ways for me at the time to overcome many of the obstacles was to keep enthusiasm for the future, keep making myself believe that things can be different, keep telling myself that despite of everything that I faced the first nine years, that there is another way to move forward. And so I ended up living in that orphanage for three years, from 9 to 12. Had experienced quite a bit of adversity, very different forms of discipline when it comes to skill development and having a voice and not having a voice in many of the areas. But then fortunately enough, I was finally able to be adopted. I was adopted by a family from Ann Arbor, Michigan. I came to the States. I didn't speak any English. I didn't know any part, anything about this part of the world, nor, nor this culture. Besides the fact that United States was dreamland and the name Michael Jordan, <laughs> which having lived here 16 or 17 years by now, maybe the two go in the same sentence, maybe not. But what I started to realize when it 
comes to my own challenges and adversities that I had to face from a very young age was that the biggest thing that helped me get through many of them was A, the internal belief that I had in self and the ability to do it. And then in the later years, I added another tool to my toolkit, and that is the story. And that is what, and you mentioned this at the very beginning of it, what I'm a huge believer in is that when I started to look at my circumstances and understand them as if they were just part of the story, therefore I can shift that narrative, I can shift that story. I no longer had to be in the victim mindset, so to speak. But I can, I can approach each and every single one of them through the lens of what am I here to learn? And what are these experiences here to teach me? And I kid you not, when I started to look at my story and those early childhood experiences through that lens, my life shifted drastically. I experienced a sense of fulfillment. That's where I was able to find the sense of purpose by creating a space for other people of similar experiences. And the more that I tune into it now, the more that I begin to realize that, in my opinion, much of it truly does with the story. What is the story that I'm choosing to tell around anything in life? And how can I shift that perspective by asking a different question? Hmm. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of things around your story. I mean, first of all, it's a really inspiring story. And, and thank you for sharing it. And thank you for the work you're doing to take your experiences and help other people develop a voice around their story and their experiences. What I'm curious about, listening to your story, I mean, at nine years old, there was this pivotal shift. And most of us at nine years old are experiencing childhood, right? And that's a key part of growing up. We're playing, we're playing with friends, we're doing stupid things. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we don't have the weight of the world on our shoulders. We don't have the responsibility to make decisions like that particular decision. So you, you mentioned that um, at nine years old, you had the opportunity to go into an orphanage. Was that something that, um, like, was there an agency or somebody that, that was promoting this opportunity or was that a choice? Like, how did you come across that choice and how did you as a nine-year-old child make that decision? So how I came across that decision, and I don't know the full details behind it, I just know bits and pieces of that story, is I actually ended up going to my sister, who at the time was my legal guardian, and asked and telling her that I wanted to go into an orphanage. Now, this might be something that I might have heard from some of the friends in the neighborhood. And to expand upon your point, when you had mentioned some of, some of the kids, when they're nine years old, they do stupid things and they fool around. Well, I did the same exact thing. So I mean, I'm in no exception to that particular <laughs> rule. I've, I got myself in trouble and I've, I've been there and done that. But I think when I think about the particular decision that I had made was there was something that I approached my sister with. And then the, the very next thing I remember was having a conversation with a social worker or this pers person who was in charge of placements. And I remember being in this room probably almost a four by four, six by six office where I was sitting on one side of the desk. This individual was sitting on the other side and my sister was standing directly behind me. And I'll never forget the conversation that we were having between the social worker and I, where she was describing to me the different elements of what it was going to be like to live in an orphanage. 
the fact that I would have my own toys, a roof over my head, food on the table, music to my ears, everything that I wanted to hear at that particular moment. And that is, I think, when I lost sight of what it is that I was actually committing to. Hmm. Because I was so focused on the things that were missing and the things that were being said, which would replace many of the things that were missing, that I lost sight of the fact that, or maybe I truly didn't understand, that when I go into the orphanage and when I choose to say, yes, I want to give up my parents' rights, that I would not be able to see them as often as I want to, that the only time that I could see them is during visitation hours. Now, the other tricky part about the visitation hours, at least where this room was located at the orphanage itself, was that it was located directly across from the director's room. And when, when my sister came to visit me, and my mom came a couple times, my cousins came sometime, I felt that I could never express to them the truth about the life that I was actually experiencing there. I could never tell them the abuse, the physical, the mental things that were happening because I felt that the director might be in the office and therefore she might hear what I'm sharing. And so for the three years when they came to visit me, I lied. I've always answered the question of how are things going with things are going great, even though they weren't because I was too terrified of it all. So I think having had that experience and living in that orphanage, that was another layer to it all that helped me understand the consequences of my decision, the consequence of giving up my parents' rights and not being, a, being able to see them as, as often as I wanted to, the consequences of what it's like to be put in a quote-unquote family where you're surrounded by 15 other kids of completely different upbringings, completely different backgrounds. Some kids were those stories. And what I mean by that are the stories of kids that were dropped off on the footsteps as babies. Other kids came there when they were older. And I will also share this with you. When I first went into the orphanage, right after I had made that decision to go in there, I was terrified. I was terrified of what could happen. I was afraid of letting go of my sister's hand. I wanted to go back. I wanted to reverse my decision. But the reality of the matter was there's nothing I could do about it. So that's where I had to live in it and face everything that that decision had to make. And so the lesson that I've learned within that, however many years, later, looking back at that whole experience, is that sometimes in life, I'll be presented with an opportunity to make a decision, and almost never in life will I know the consequences of that decision until living it out and seeing what that decision can truly offer. Mm. Yeah, that's a really powerful message. And um, the other thing that I'm really curious about you talked about that internal self-belief and having having aspirations of making things better uh, did how did you actually visualize what what that looked like did you have you know as a young child did you have ideas and you know you talked about the consequences of your decision but clearly the decision was motivated by 
here's, here's something that I aspire to. And you talked about the toys and having your own room um, with the, the orphanage, but did you have a vision of sort of a longer term future and what you aspire to that, that fueled that internal self-belief? It's a really good question. I think my only vision at the time were truly, as you described, the basic needs, the food, the shelter, the water. Outside of that, everything was just such a distant future where I almost had no time to even think about the profession and the family and the other things that I might be able to experience later on in life. What I will also say as far as when I was going through these circumstances and trying to visualize what that moment looked like. I remember leading up to my decision of going into the orphanage. My biggest image of the future and the thing that I desperately wanted to accomplish was I wanted to bring back my sister and my mom all under one roof. Hmm. As you could imagine, due to my mom's decision of drinking, it created a lot of resentment. It created a lot of resentment between my sister and my mom. And I, per and I understand, I completely understand why there might be such resentment. When, you're all, when your role shifts in the family and you all of a sudden go from a sister to a caregiver because of someone else's actions, I could see how there could be pain and suffering and difficulty. And so when I think about my future, Leading up to the orphanage, my ideal version of the future was living under one roof with my sister and my mom. Well, that wasn't happening. And I tried. I tried in every way that I could. And there was simply nothing that I could do. And through that reality, I started to realize that I have to shift my future. I have to shift my perception of what that may look like. So going into the orphanage was the next logical step. And then within that, it was the things that was missing. The food, the shelter, the water, the clothing, the friends, the relationships. But beyond that, I can't say that I dreamed or imagined anything else. Because I was so much in the moment. I was so much trying to figure out how do I get through these circumstances? How do I get to the next step? beyond this current challenge. I don't know if you can relate or any anyone that's listening right now, but sometimes when I was stuck in the midst of a great adversity when I was that young kid, I didn't feel like I had any time to think about the future. It was all about how do you get through this? How do you get to the next moment? How do you get to the next breath? And that's really what it, what it was from that, from that young age until most likely after I got adopted. And that's when I think that concept of a future shifted because I was able to come here. I was able to experience a sense of safety. I was able to experience a sense of belonging. I was able to experience a sense of family. And with those three things, I then started to imagine some of these other things beyond the basics, hmm. beyond the food, beyond the shelter, beyond the water, beyond the clothing. I'll also say that living in, in the United States, it's been a very interesting experience because of the fact that, well, A, 
the progress and how progress is portrayed. It's always about getting to the next step, the next achievement, the next level. And if anything else that I've learned when it comes to living here, it is that all of those next steps when it comes to future success, whether it's financial, health, whatever it may be, is that there's always a quote-unquote icon or a figure that people strive for. And so in a way, it made that future that much more attainable because you could see that future in someone else that's living next door to you or literally across the road. But living in Russia, I wasn't able to see that. Hmm. Yeah, so um, I guess I'd, I'd like to move on now. I mean, it, it's a great story. And uh, as I said, it's um, it's a real tribute to you that you came through all that adversity, overcame those odds and, and are now taking that story out to help others. So tell us a little bit about your business, Overcoming Odds, and, and what specifically you do there. 40 years ago, I started this organization called Overcoming Odds. And the reason why I started this is because when I started to think about my own life, and in particular, what has been the greatest theme within my life? In answering that question, I started to realize that everything led towards overcoming the odds, finding ways to overcome whatever the challenges may be, having the mindset, having the resilience to do it. And that is where I started to develop that as a platform. Initially, it started as a space for myself to be able to process many of the things that I went through. And then there became a point I believe it was halfway through the first year when I started to develop this into a form of responsibility. I started to realize that what I was building was so much greater than just one individual. And how I noticed that was when I started to share my story more and more, there were more people that began to reach out to me and that said, me too. Hmm. And here's my story. Here's my experience of what it was like to be adopted from Japan, Romania, China, South Korea, Russia. And that's where I decided to create an open space, open platform where people can share their own experiences and really be able to embrace all aspects of their journey, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I didn't want to steer one specific way. I didn't want to steer towards one particular solution because I didn't know what that solution could be. Looking back at it all, I think the solution of, of everything is being able to create an open space for which people can express their own stories and learn from their own stories. And I think with those two things, what I started to realize was when, when people started to do that, myself included, the third thing that was happening simultaneously was empowering other people that their story mattered, that their experience mattered that what they felt for however, however many years is not invalid. Mm. And that at the end of the day was, is what drives much of my work is just understanding that my story matters and that there's tremendous power in that story. Now, don't get me wrong. There's also tremendous responsibility mm. in how I choose to share the story because I can use this time and take you down some other path. Yeah. And not create a path for you to come back. And there were moments where I did that. There were moments where I shared the story like that. 
because I didn't understand the impact that the story actually has. And so when I shifted that perspective and I turned that into a form of responsibility, that's where I started to focus on creating the space. And then within that space, started to expand the medium. So whether it's the podcast, whether it's an online blog for people to share their stories, whether it's events that people are able to be a part of. And one thing has led to another. And I'm extremely grateful for many of the people that have come into my life and have helped me maintain an open mind and an open perspective. Because I believe that having the ability to be open-minded in my experience is the catalyst to why overcoming odds is successful and what it is right now. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I like the concept of, and I think it was Dave Blanchard, and I don't remember which episode he was on. It was quite a while ago. Um, mm -hmm. But he has a fascinating story as well um, of childhood sexual abuse and how he turned that around by embracing his experiences as a gift and as a gift that he could then share with the world in a way that you've just expressed that, you know, what are the lessons here out of my experiences that other people can learn from also, because, um, you know, you don't have to go through this traumatic childhood to experience adversity. We all mm -hmm. experience adversity in some form. Now, some of us blow out adversity, um, you know, that we might stub our toe on the stairs in the morning and, blow that out to adversity that equates to the kind of experiences that you had and clearly it's not but there's a lesson in that that a put everything in perspective and b if you, you are experiencing uh, pretty serious adversity there's ways to adapt your mindset and reframe that to move forward and i, mm -hmm. I like what you said earlier too about the idea of you know the next step i mean when you first did that it was out of necessity and uh, mm -hmm. need for survival. Um, but today, I'm I'm a big fan of you know what's the next step I can take here, having a longer term vision in mind. But what's the next step I can take here to move towards that vision? That's a really powerful tool for me to uh, move beyond procrastination, which mm -hmm. is an obstacle that you have to overcome. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think to expand upon what you just said, I'm a huge believer in the concept that there's a lesson behind every single experience. Hmm. I always refer to a story a friend of mine had shared with me however long ago. He had, he had shared with me the story where one person, let's say, gets has a flat tire. And they look at it through the lens of, I can't believe this is happening to me. How could it happen to me? There were all these things that were supposed to happen, and now I can't make those things. Now, there's another person who experienced the same exact situation and acknowledges that as an opportunity for them to slow down, to be more patient with life, and to let some of these opportunities to come more freely to them. The beauty within that is the perspective. And that is, how do you choose to look at your own adversity? How do you choose to respond to your circumstances? When you had mentioned this whole concept of next step, for me, when I think about my, my own next step when it comes to an adverse set of circumstances, it's about recognition, recognizing that there is an adversity at hand. I don't remember who said this, but this is a quote that I come across five or six, maybe even seven years ago. And someone had said, how could you know there's a problem without realizing and recognizing that there is a problem? Hmm. 
And so recognizing what is the adversity and asking oneself, what is the adversity at hand? And then from there, expanding upon what are the possible solutions? How can I possibly solve this thing? Who can I call? What may I ask of them? Or what might I ask myself of internally? And that's where I think this concept of the next step and the mindset, which I know that you focus on quite a bit within this show, is under, I mean, understanding that, yes, everything that I'm saying is obviously five or six or seven years worth in a sentence. Because for me, it's been more of a practice than anything. Choosing to remind myself every single time when an adversity creeps in, understanding that this is here to serve me. It's not here to hinder my progress. It's here creating an opportunity for me to see things that I haven't seen before. Mm. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it and a great way to reframe it, I think. the um, What I'm also interested in, you mentioned there that you, know, you step back then, recognize the problem, acknowledge that there is a problem or an adversity that, that you've got to move beyond, um, and and you think about the possibilities. So you talked earlier about making choices and the consequences of the choices we make and that we don't always um, know upfront what those consequences are. So how do you, when you get to that step of, okay, here's the adversity, I acknowledge the problem, I've got to do something about this, how do you then go about, uh, what's your process or thinking process to create different choices that, you know, you might go A or you might go B and and then think about what consequences might come about as a result of each individual choice? It's a really great question. So for me personally, what I try and do is whenever I experience an adversity, whether it's a hardship financial hardship, whatever it may be, the very first thing that I try and put myself in is more of a mindset than anything, and that's understanding that it's possible to overcome what I'm experiencing. I think there is beauty. There's actually a book that I read, which I don't know if you've come across it yet. It's called The Art of Possibility by Benjamin Zander. Hmm. And no, one of another things, one. One of the principles within that book that he speaks about is the ability and the mindset to think in the realm of possibility. Hmm. So when I understood that, and when I would be able to move past the fact that I'm experiencing this, but it's possible to overcome it. The very immediate thing that I do is I almost do a mind map of the possible solutions. So let's say it's a financial struggle. If I don't have the means to solve it on my own, who can I call? Who do I trust? Who do I have a connection with? Who is not going to judge me? And who is going to, going to accept me for where I'm at? From there, I would make a series of calls. I would pose the ask. Now, the ask part, something that I've learned throughout the years, I don't believe I was born with it. I believe I had to develop it just like any other muscle in life. In fact, I remember the numerous years where I chose not to ask for help because I was terrified of rejection. I was terrified of hearing the word no. I was terrified of the judgment. And that prevented me, I believe, from being my full version of who I am. 
So when I was able to step past that and understand that people need people and people help people, that's where I was able to bridge the gap and start to practice that courage, practice the courage to ask for help. So when I think about this next step when it comes to dealing with the adversity at hand beyond the recognition of it and beyond expressing possible solutions, it's the ask. If it's asking someone else, can you honestly ask them without beating around the bush, but get straight to the point, what it is that you're experiencing and how it is that you're experiencing it and how it is that they can help you. Now, beyond that, I would say, any, if anything, it's more of a mindset. Everything that I described, it's more of a understanding that yes, this happened, but what is it teaching you? So in one of my first situations, I remember when I had to ask for help. I don't remember this, the exact event, but I do remember reflecting back upon the whole thing and asking myself the question of what was this here to teach me? And I believe one of the lessons that it was there to teach me was the ability to ask for help, hmm. to ask others for help when you really need it. See, I think far too often in life, as I mentioned earlier, I struggled with that. I know many other people who struggle with that or who find it challenging to ask for help. And it is not until that I'm able to create the space for them and I can genuinely ask them, how can I help? What can I truly do in order for you to move past whatever that challenge might be at hand? Mm. Yeah, that's a really strong message. I mean, I, don't, I know myself, I still struggle with the asking for help bit. And, uh, you know, there, there is that you know, underlying fear of rejection, fear of judgment, as you said. And um, one of the things I keep reminding myself of, and, and this is a quote that I can't remember who to attribute to, but um, it's, it's one that I heard years ago. And it's, uh, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. <laughs> That's the simple truth. Yeah, yeah. That is the truth to that to all of that. And, and I've had a similar realization. In fact, one of the things that I ended up learning throughout my own experience was when I started to look back up my childhood and many of those experiences that I went through, one of the people that I had to develop a different relationship with was my birth mom. So according to the society, my birth mom was viewed as someone who is an alcoholic, incapable of taking care of her children. But what I started to realize in that moment was that those were not my definitions. That there's another way that I can view her and almost create a space for her, even though she's no longer here. And when I started to look at her through the lens of what were the things that she taught me, what were the lessons, what were the takeaways? One of the things that she passed on to me was that ability to be driven. And it, it relates exactly to what you just said in regard to hearing that no. And that is, I believe when I was younger and I went out there looking for her, I came up short many of the times. But the message that I repeated to myself is the same exact message that I repeat to myself today. And that is just knock on one more door. Just talk to one more person. And you might get a yes. Now, being in the space right now and being in the space of public speaking as well, I receive hundreds of rejections on a daily basis. 
no, no, thank you. Don't ever contact me again. Everything you can think of, <laughs> I receive it all. I welcome it now. I no longer take it personally. I welcome it because I understand that it's just part of the process. Whoever said the more no's you get, the closer you are to a yes, I think there is a grain of truth to that statement. Now, that number of no's varies. For some, it's hundreds. Some, it's thousands. For some, it's one. Yeah. But I think keeping that as a reminder and knowing that all of these no's are just getting me that much closer to a yes, maybe that is part of that manifestation behind mm -hmm. why the yes actually takes place. Yeah, so, so one of, I think this was one of my guests, and again, I can't remember who to attribute this one to, but um, they actually said in regards to this topic, uh, their metric is, I need 100 no's a week. Yeah. And I think they were talking about sales conversations, if I remember correctly, but their metric was 100 no's. So if they would um, have a sales conversation and the person would say, no, thank you, or whatever, that's oh good. That's one, you know, and they'd keep score, <laughs> and, and so that would drive them to make, keep making another call, you know. And of course, yeah. in in all of those calls, there'd be every now and then somebody would say, "Oh yes, that that's exactly what I'm looking for." So let's do it. Um, but but their their mindset was completely different. Their mindset was, "I need to get a hundred no's this week, so I'm going to continue making the calls and asking the questions until I get to that a hundred no's." And of course that you know that probably meant at least a hundred well it meant at least a hundred calls and some of those would say yes so then they'd keep making calls and so of course the more calls they made the more yeses they would get well it's such a beautiful experience between what you just described because there's a choice that one can make there's a choice that one can make as far as when receiving a no you could just stop what you're doing hmm. and then there's the other side in using that no and using that energy as fuel and motivation for you to keep going. I can't tell you the number of times where I have worked with people, and I'm saying this without any judgment to them, but sometimes I would work with them on different projects. And let's say one of our goals would be to secure a hotel room for one of the speakers for one of our events. Well, they would pick up the phone and they would call five to 10 people and all of them would be a flat out no. Hmm. And then they stop. For me, I would keep going. I keep going until I get that first yes. But I think part of that comes from the fact that my experience has taught me is that the possibility of receiving a yes is possible. So if you haven't, if your previous experience, I feel like, hasn't given you the possibility to understand that it's possible for you to receive a yes, how could you ever know that a yes is possible? If everything you're receiving is a no. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. All right, so um, you do a lot of speaking and, and we touched on the podcast. So what, what's the podcast? What has that done for your business and for creating this safe space that you mentioned? For me, the podcast, I was actually just reflecting upon this experience prior to our conversation today. Yesterday, I was asked a question by a friend of mine of why do you choose to document your experience? And I remember sitting there in silence, not having any immediate thoughts. And then a thought came to mind. And that thought was of my late grandfather. 
And the reason why I thought of him is because when I was in 10th grade in high school, I was required to do a project for my U.S. history class where the objective was to interview someone who had been a part of a world-changing event. My grandpa was part of World War II. He was a pilot. And so I remember leaving that class thinking of all the questions that I would ask him. Hands were shaking because I've never had a conversation like this with him before. Mm. So I didn't know what he's going to think of me, how he was going to receive it. And then days later, I was able to have this conversation where I had recorded this particular dialogue that him and I had and then was able to share it with my class. The reason why I share this is because of this. When I thought about that particular experience and when I thought about that particular question that the friend of mine had asked me, the ultimate lesson within that was not the grade that I received. The ultimate lesson within that was the importance of capturing someone else's experience and letting them live beyond their years. I think the beauty of having a podcast is about creating an opportunity for myself and other people to have their voice live beyond their years. And in my opinion, I think it is something that maybe is not understood or underutilized because I know many people, in fact, many people in my life who have passed and I don't have a single recording of them. And so to a degree, once again, I go back to the responsibility part. I choose to look at this as a responsibility for myself to capture people's stories so that future generations can go back to and look at how life was like 25, 50, 100 years ago. And having this ability to do so through the podcast, through the speaking, through any form of recording that can be kept as a record, to me is fascinating. So mm. funny how a, a relatively short question <laughs> sparked in a way the, the purpose and the essence for why I choose to podcast to begin with. Hmm. Yeah, that is, but that is so powerful. Um, and, and I know, um, I've been having conversations like that with my 92 year old dad and he too, you know, he lived through the second world war as a child. Uh, he was like your age when you went into the orphanage, when bombs were raining on them in, you know, so that, that was his childhood and to, hear some of those stories and then to hear how he dealt with adversity and and hear some of the things that sparked memories in me of my early childhood because you know he would tell stories from his perspective and I say yeah I remember I remember that situation but I don't remember it like that because clearly <laughs> I, I experienced it through my eyes and through my my lens of the world and, and he's now relating it. So yeah, that is really powerful to capture those stories and record them. Mm -hmm. but, and I, yeah. and I think about it this way, I don't know what your experience has been like or any of the listeners, but how often do you go through life and think about all of the amazing things that you experience and yet don't choose to document it and use that as lessons that other people can rely on. Yeah, I don't know right. where I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if if it's courage, confidence, or whatever other elements that play a part of it. 
But when I started to realize that there's so much wisdom that any given person can share with the rest of the world, regardless of your status. And that's where I started to realize that truly every single person has value. And the reason why I think every person, every single person has value is because every single person sees the world differently. Hmm. You and I can look at the same exact thing and to see two very different things. Now, neither one is right, neither one is wrong, or neither one is wrong, but both are right. Hmm. Because it's right according to your lens and your perspective. Right. Hmm. Yeah, and I think the other part of that is is to then enable a conversation to take place between people looking at the same thing and seeing something completely different and mm -hmm. acknowledging that, hey, that's my reality and your reality is different. And we can agree that that's a good thing and we can learn from one another's perceptions of that particular thing that we're looking at as opposed to saying, um, you know, polarized views and here's, here's the way I see it, so I'm right and you're wrong, you know, which is what we're seeing far too much of in the world these days, and I think leading to a whole lot of problems. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, this has been fabulous, Oleg. I could go on digging into your story and your mindset and, and values and principles a lot more, but I think it's, a, I'm looking at the clock here, and I think it's a good time now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round we do with every guest. It's there to help our listeners who are primarily innovators and leaders in their field with some tips from your experience. So I have mm -hmm. five questions. Hopefully you'll give us some really insightful answers that'll inspire our <laughs> listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. Absolutely. What do, you think, what do you think the number one thing is anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Lead from within. Hmm. Of that. So how, how do you go about that or how do you um, sort of measure that that's what I'm doing? Taking a responsibility for your own life, choosing to be of service to yourself before being of service to others, understanding that everything truly starts from you when it comes to innovation, impact, or whatever it is that you aspire for. For me, when I started to realize and understand those things, my life became simpler. Because I was no longer focused on changing other people or changing some of the ideas that already existed, but more so I was focused on changing myself and changing the way that I think. And so maybe a part of that component also goes back to having an open mind. Hmm. And with that open mind, being able to understand that ideas are just ideas. It is ideas with Im implementation that makes the difference. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really important point. I love that. The um, And the idea that, um, you know, taking care of yourself first and mm -hmm. taking responsibility for yourself because that's where you can make a change, right? I can't mm -hmm. tell you, Oleg, you need to do this differently and, and I can give you a whole bunch of reasons why I think you should do this differently. But at the end of the day, I can't really influence your choice. Uh, exactly. Oh, maybe I can, I can influence it, but I can't. Um, make me choose it. Yeah, can't make you choose it, but I can certainly make myself make a choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and be very conscious about making a good choice. There is a poem that I've come across however many days ago, and, and it's a poem from I believe it's either a unknown or a uh, famous monk. I think it was 1100 A.D. And this poem was around a person 
who essentially told the story that he first started by wanting to change the world and then he realized that he couldn't change the world so he tried to change his country he couldn't change his country so he tried to change his town he couldn't change his town he tried to change his family couldn't change his family and so he started to change himself and in changing himself he was able to change his family he was able to change his town he was able to change his country and then he was able to change the world hmm. and every time i come across it i find it to be so profound because it's so true that's what my experience has taught me when i started to change myself and focus everything on changing my own perspective and my own lens and how i approach the world everything around me started to shift hmm. So that's where yeah. I think this whole concept of leading from within and choosing to take responsibility for my own actions in order to be more open-minded and more innovative in life. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a powerful message. And, and thanks for elaborating on that for us, the mm -hmm. uh, leading from within. Okay, now what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? What is the best thing that I've done to develop new ideas? There is a practice that I was very fortunate to have come across. I was on a study abroad program in Quebec City, Canada for about three to four, maybe five months, where one of the things that the teacher of this program had shared with me was this concept of rapid brainstorming. And it's an exercise that takes about 10 to 12 minutes and what you do is you split up you split up that time into two. So for first half, five to six minutes, what you do is you take sticky notes. You take sticky notes and you generate as many possible ideas or as many possible thoughts to whatever the problem that you're trying to solve. With no judgment. No matter how ridiculous or quote unquote impossible, whatever may be the idea is, you put it on a sheet of paper. The next five to six minutes, what you do is you go through those sticky notes and then you use a form of judgment. And that is really trying to understand which of these are feasible, which of these can I act on, which of these can I implement. I know for me, whenever I go into the process of brainstorming and innovation, that is a practice I always go back to. So whether it's developing a concept or a business or a website, whatever it may be, any form of project, I start with the overarching theme. I utilize the sticky notes. I jot down whatever the ideas that might have within that. I time myself because the thing is, if I don't time myself, I may do it for hours upon hours. <laughs> and I also think that there is something beautiful within having a little bit of pressure I think pressure stimulates creativity and knowing how much time you have, it puts my mind in positions where I have to figure it out now. If I give myself the other side and that is I have an hour or three hours to figure it out, well then one of the roadblocks I run into there is something that you had mentioned, procrastination. Hmm. So the reality of the matter is even in a three hour window, what I have found is that the most creative ideas come in the last portion. Last, yeah. Last the last minutes. hour, the last 30 yeah. minutes, the last 10 minutes. It's not the first two. Hmm. Spend the first two planning how it's going to go, what it's going to be like, 
but I don't actually put myself into action. So putting myself into action through this form and then timing myself and giving myself a deadline that I'm working towards, I would say that's probably been one of the most valuable practices for stimulating creative ideas within my own life. Hmm. Yeah, I love it. Um, and and I've done exercises like that in groups where you know there's mm -hmm. that added level of um, the competition. Like yeah. how you mentioned the pressure of timing. Well, you know, if you've got the pressure of competition, oh, you only got three post-it yeah. notes there. I've got seven. Yeah. That too. I'm yeah. sure that yeah. plays a role. Yeah. All right. Um, what's a favorite resource that you use most often? My favorite resource. Honestly, I would say it's my favorite and it's most my, my most valuable is my mind. Hmm. Having the ability to think having the ability to process however it is that I'm experiencing life, how I choose to create meaning from many of these experiences. And also, I think mind is such a powerful tool. I'll share a quick story with you. When I, for this year's birthday, I chose to do something different, and that is I went to the Grand Canyon, and I hiked my way from the top to the plateau point, which is about six miles down, and then I had to hike six miles up. Well, on the hike up, one of the things that I started to repeat to myself, because it truly got this difficult as far as the difficulty that my body was experiencing, were there two messages I repeated. One step, focus on the next step. And then the second was mind over body. There's so many times where my body wanted to give up because it was so tired. But having had a strong mind and continuing to repeat that in my head, is I believe one of the only reasons why I did make it back in the time that I did. So as far as a resource, I would say it's my mind. Having that, having the ability to have conversations like this that continue to expand my mind to help me think differently and sharpen it, if anything, hmm. help me understand that there are other ways to think about life and to process whatever it is that I'm going through is a brilliant thing. But at the same time, it could also be a dangerous thing depending on how we use it. Yeah. So the choice is yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like, I really love the story and you know, it's, it's a metaphor, isn't it? With, um, the, I know from my own experience in doing long distance bike rides and there are times when I've felt like that. I thought, oh, I'm just going to sit on the side of the road and give up, <laughs> call somebody to pick me up. And then, you know, you do get into that and, you do get into mind over body and say, okay, I can take a short stop and a few deep breaths, maybe have a little uh, snack to eat so that the re fuel replenishment is, is done. And then I'm off again, you know, just keep going Yeah. next step, next step, or, you know, go, go the next hundred meters, get to that tree up there. And yeah. And it's in some ways that that is a mindset of overcoming obstacles, isn't it? Sort of one step yeah. at a time. One step at a time, looking at the next thing ahead of you, not trying to figure out the whole picture all at once. I'm really grateful I actually got this lesson however many years ago from a friend of mine, Kahila, who's a, a therapist in the San Diego area. She had said this to this one thing to me during a just a regular conversation. I don't know if she understood the impact it would have on me, hmm. but she said that don't focus on the whole how. Focus on where to start. And then from there, I added my own part to that, and that is focus on the next step. Hmm. I, I internally believe that I know where to start 
at any given moment. Hmm. It's the chatter, it's the confusion from the outside that makes me feel like I don't know. Hmm. And if there's anything that I've learned, whether it's overcoming adversity or starting a next project, podcasting events, whatever it may be, for me, it's about knowing where to start and then believing that the step beyond that will reveal itself when the time is right. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. All right. Um, what's the number one thing anyone could do to differentiate themselves? Share their story. I think story is one of the most mm. powerful, underutilized resources that's available to each and every single one of us. Having the ability to share it, how you share it, I think those are more of the concrete, fundamental, or how-to route, so to speak. I think there is a practice, I think there are techniques that one can better understand for how to share their story and which elements of their of their story to share. But I would say that the one thing that differentiates one person from the other is your experience and how it is that you choose to share it with the rest of the world. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it comes back to what you were saying earlier around how we tend not to document things that happen to us. And I know I'm, I'm having an interesting experience and I sort of reflecting on that and i've been reminded of that um, as we've been talking today i um, bought myself a scanner for christmas um, i've got tens of thousands of slides film slides that i've taken since i was very young um, being a keen photographer and i thought I, I should really go revisit those and get them in digital format somehow so i bought this scanner for christmas and you know talking about uh where to start on the next step thought, <laughs> this this could take forever to scan all these slides in and and so i thought well hang on first step is um get a sense of what's there and yeah. then i realized that i'd actually stopped numbering them a few years before i finished taking slides and moved to digital so that first step then was okay finish numbering the slides and i've got a numbering sequence so i can uh, tell when they were and and i've kept a, a book of where that one was at. And then I thought, okay, next step is is break it down into themes and the themes, you know, so themes might be our kids when they were uh, young or when they were first born or themes might be trip to um, some location. Um, so I've started looking through old slides and, and breaking things into these themes and developing that. So I'll then scan according to theme. And as I'm going through these, and and we were looking at slides the other day that were 35 years old. And I thought, oh, where was that? I can't remember that. And I'd look up what I'd written down. And, and usually I'd just written down, you know, on this day in this town, mm -hmm. something like that. But then it would trigger from deep in the un subconscious, it would trigger some memory that I'd, oh, I'd never thought of that. <laughs> uh, but it would bring up this memory and it would also bring up experiences. And I thought, isn't that interesting? It, it's kind of there's experiences there that I've never even thought about. And then as I reflect back on it, it sort of starts to connect other experiences in that, that are there. They're buried, but they're there. And, yeah. um, you know, they're, they're all these little stories that um, as I reflect back on them now, so many years later, I think, oh, there's, there was a lesson in that. And I just didn't appreciate it at the time. And you, in yeah. a way, simplified the journey. You mm. simplified the whole process of going through it just by yeah. breaking it down into steps. Hmm. 
All right. Well, thanks for getting us through the buzz. That, that was fabulous. Now, um, where can people find out more about you, find out about or get, get into the podcast, the Overcoming Odds podcast, find out about the work you're doing and maybe even get in touch to say thanks for what you've shared today? I think the best way that people can do that is through our website at overcomingodds.today. And that's where you'll be able to find the podcasts, the opportunities for you to share your story, and then also get connected to some of the events that we have coming up. In fact, one of the events that we have coming up here in the next couple of weeks called Survive to Thrive Attitude of Gratitude. And that's really about exploring what does gratitude look like when it comes to building resilience? What does grieving with gratitude look like? And what is gratitude as a mindset, as a feeling, as a thought? Or is it something more than that? And Scott Mason is going to be one of the speakers at that who was a guest on this podcast at episode 389, I believe. Um, yeah, just checking something my notes now. But he'll, he'll be 381. 381. <laughs> but he, he'll be one of the speakers. So outside of that, I would say LinkedIn. That's where mm -hmm. you'll be able to find me personally. And for anyone that's interested in connecting, learning, or just exploring ideas or life in general, happy to except whatever the connections that might be. Great. All right. Well, we'll post links to the Overcoming Odds Today site and also your LinkedIn profile and people can check out that event as well. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have some parting advice for our listeners today as we wrap this up? I would say the biggest thing that I can pass on to anyone is actually the lesson that I was passed on to by a friend of mine recently, and that is, be fully engaged in the timing of things. And that is as things come into your life or opportunities present themselves, put yourself in the position of being fully engaged for what it might offer you, how it might help you see the world differently, what other things it might present within your own experience, your own journey. So that is the biggest thing that I could pass on to it all. Hmm. Be fully engaged in the timing of things. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, I was speaking with, this was um, Elizabeth Pampalone a few episodes ago, and one of the things she said was everything will pass, and it, it was around um, issues with the pandemic, right, that we're going through or hopefully coming through the other side right now, and all that, all the consequences that's brought about for us in the world and she said, but there's a flip side to that, everything will pass thing. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you're having a good experience or if there's an opportunity presenting itself, well, it's that's going to pass too. So be fully yeah. present, engage in that, you know, be there because it's not going to last forever. And I thought that that's a really powerful message. So you just reminded me of that one again. And it's so true. Everything is temporary. Nothing is mm. permanent. Yeah. Okay. Now, finally, who else should I get on this show and why? I would say the next person that would be a great addition to your show is a friend of mine or a connection of mine who has become a great friend. Her name is Nancy John. Her and I are connected on LinkedIn. She's part of a community that we started called Courageous Conversations, which are calls that we do every single Saturday where we explore a topic at hand that relates to our lives. You can find her on LinkedIn. You can find her through her website, which I believe 
has something to do with introverted introvert podcasts, something along those lines. But I'll be happy to introduce the two of you and and make sure that there is um because I think there's a form of synergy between what what the two of you do. Great. All right. I love it. I'll um, get that introduction to Nancy from you and we'll reach out sure. to her and see if she can come on the show and have a have a courageous conversation with us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, this has been so much fun, Oleg. I've really enjoyed this, really enjoyed exploring your story a little bit more, exploring your mindset around how you tackled and overcame a lot of the obstacles in your way and how you're using that today as a gift to others that that's i think a really powerful message i think you know if we take that mindset in hey something bad has happened to me but there's actually a gift in that and not only is it a gift for me in that i've learned something from that but it's a gift i can share with others to help others as well so kudos yeah. for you doing that keep doing what you're doing and let's stay in touch thank you i appreciate you hope you enjoyed that inspiring and wonderfully insightful conversation with Oleg and took something away from his episode. His journey and decisions are inspiring and his quest to learn and grow as well as be of service to others were definitely my highlights from our conversation. I'd love to know what you took away from Oleg's episode. What are your takeaways? Tell me in the comments below the blog post which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Oleg Lougheed. That is O-L-E-G-L-O-U-G-H-E-E-D. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Oleg Lougheed. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Oleg, as well as links to the Overcoming Odds website, the Overcoming Odds podcast, Oleg's social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, please do share this with two other people. I was going to say heaps of other people, but two is a good start. People that it will help. Tag me in on that share and I will reach out to you with a special surprise thank you gift. Oleg suggested that we have a conversation with leadership coach Nancy John on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Nancy, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Oleg Lougheed. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including speaker and transformational coach Rusty Gaylard and founder and chief word guy of Square Planet, Brian Burkhart. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. 
Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.